Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure now to welcome Russell Hanby, What's Making News regular guest on Viewpoints. Welcome again to Viewpoints, Russell Hanby. Thanks, Henry. How are you this week? Oh, not too bad. It's uh, an interesting time. We're back at school. We're doing remote learning and on-site learning, and we're into week four of this program. And... Uh, Look, it's smoothing down on some levels, but of course people are getting, you know, a bit tired of it too. So it's a bit of a two-edged sword, but we're all doing our best. Well, that's all we can do, isn't it? Yeah. You can only do your best. Um, what about yourself? Oh, yes, we're just uh, battling on the same way, uh, you know, every day. It's a bit hard sometimes when you're at home to think what happened uh, yesterday, let alone two days ago, but there's sort of a muchness about it, but uh, trying to get the exercise up and fresh air when I can, yes. Are you going up those thousand steps that uh, in the Dandenongs that you live oh, up to a stone's throw away from, I understand? That, well, it's only a 10-minute drive. No, they've, they've been closed. Uh, oh, like all the, all the playgrounds. And, uh, that, yeah, but, oh. Yes, they don't want people running and rubbing shoulders with each other, I suppose, yeah. Oh, that must be devastating to a fitness fanatic such as yourself. <laughs> well, I, never, <laughs> I, 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 I go a bit more gentle, actually, at the moment than those. <laughs> yeah, there's no need to have to push. As long as you're doing regular exercise, it's, what I have noticed, Russell, is that um, we're out and about nearly every day doing a walk. We know we've learned a lot of new places around our suburb, I mean, Wontana South, and beautiful parks, and oh, it's just nice strolling around the streets. A lot more people are out and about yes. walking. It's interesting. I don't know about you, but when I'm walking along the street, they all seem to go right on the nature strip and even on the road to go True. around you, which is interesting. Yeah, that's so, same they for us. smile and say good day, but that seems to be happening, doesn't it? Yeah, there seems to be. Yeah, yeah look, um, we actually acknowledge, when I'm noticing, we're acknowledging strangers more just by hello as you're walking past or a smile than you would have done in normal times. But yes, we're all taking. Um, steps to avoid each other a little bit. Does it mean that we don't have to wear deodorant as much? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe, maybe because one might be wearing deodorant, that might be why they're giving the wide berth. <laughs> well, I hope that's not the case for me, Russell. Speak no. for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah, now no, we, did we... Have a bit of home, did have a little bit of homework. Yes, you have got homework, and I'm glad you're talking about it. Tell us what you had to do and what right. you've done. Well, remember this time last week we were saying about how the uh, private schools were being, I suppose, induced to go back to school by the 1st of June by either the $3 billion uh, money going to them yep. or $13 billion. And the age came out with $13 billion and repeatedly the Herald Sun said $3 billion. That's correct. Well, I think and so I, tried, I looked through all the references there and they kept saying the same thing even later in the day. But what I think it is, the Herald Sun is sticking to the $3 billion, uh, $3, $3 billion bill for private schools to go back before June the 1st. I think the actual allocation is $13 billion a year. But they're being asked... But it's the first instalment normally in July that's been brought forward to the schools that agree. And if you work out a quarter of the $13 billion, that's just over three. Right. So, so I think... That they didn't really say, but I think the age is talking about how much the private schools get per year, yep. which is $13 billion. And the first instalment, the quarter of that, is the $3 billion which is being offered now. Mm. And that was only offered six weeks ahead of schedule, wasn't it? I mean, it, yes. wasn't, uh, it wasn't some profound inducement out of the blue. No. A lot and, have rejected uh, it too, Russell. Yes, I, I hear uh, quite a few have and quite a few are quite angry about it being offered it, you know. Mm. It's, it's, it's raised uh, an interesting thing, the... The Catholic and independent sector um, 
many of them are in financial stress, but they some of their leaders were using words like bribery, weren't they? And dangling they carrots in front of yes. us. And we have um, uh, ethical considerations that make uh, make us frown on that sort of inducement. Yeah, and I think there weren't that many taking up because of the, I think they had to do it by last Friday. Correct. And then they increased it another day to Saturday at midnight. So obviously they were getting desperate for people to take it up. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how many have uh, in actual fact. Down in the wash-up. Yes, I like the, the word that um, Dan Tayan, the Minister for Education, used. He called it incentivising, yet some of the very independent and Catholic schools that were offered this money called it a bribery. So... <laughs> Uh, a form of bribery. So it's it's interesting how the public perception didn't quite uh, match, I think, to the level that perhaps um, the minister was hoping. That's right. I think that's true, yeah. Good. So you found that one out. Was there any more homework? Yeah, I did have about that. Do you want to do it now about the yeah, 13th? we'll get it done and dusted. Look, we can't right, have homework lingering. No, Besides, it's been hanging which, around for a few weeks, hasn't it? If you don't we're share it out, we know uh, you did it. And we're talking about the superstition surrounding Friday the 13th. Uh, Now, it's thought to originate with the Last Supper, attended by 13 people, Jesus Christ and his 12 disciples, on Maundy Thursday, the night before his crucifixion by Roman soldiers on Good Friday. The number 13 is therefore associated with Judas Iscariot, Christ's betrayer, and is regarded as imperfect when compared with 12. And the 12 represents the number of months in a year. So that is the main uh, reason, I suppose, why Friday the 13th is regarded as being superstitious. Ah, fascinating. It has a um, a religious background to that one. Yes. Mm. Uh, another reason, the, the union of day, day and date has also been traced back to King Philip IV of France. He arrested hundreds of Knights Templar on Friday the 13th, 1307, essentially wiping them out. So that's another source mm. uh, that could have something to do with it. And then there could be another reason that we haven't it, yet uncovered. That's right, but at least we've got the, the most common reason, I think. Yes. It could go back to the Last Supper. Well, you've passed all that. Now you've just got to do the work for today. Oh, right. I thought, I, <laughs> well, I, thought, I, I, thought get... I finished. I was about to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 Russell. You've got, you got 20 minutes to fill in. Uh, but listen, you get 9 out of 10 for that. Oh, thanks. Only 9. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't have you resting. Do you know, I used to, I remember when I was at university, we had lecturers who would come up and tell us blatantly and bluntly and proudly, look, I never mark above eight. Nobody can get above eight out of ten or, you know, and we used yeah, to think, right. oh, that's a bit rough, so yeah. <laughs> why can't you get nine or ten? Um, and their view was that that's called the pursuit of excellence. Oh, right. It's called that's the rainbow the effect, one of them told us. Is it always getting to the end? never reach. And we thought, oh, <laughs> gee whiz. Interesting, you could have a philosophical argument about that, whether that was appropriate or not. But anyway, let's move on. We'll never get through the news for this week. Russell, the age this week, open the economy to get back a million jobs, according to the PM. Prime Minister Scott Morrison set a goal to restore a million jobs by opening up the economy as soon as the end of this week, piling pressure on state and territory leaders to ease their coronavirus restrictions. Yes, uh, Mr Morrison, uh, earlier in the week, uh, blamed school closures and bans on public gatherings for some of the uh, greatest damage to the economy, saying it would lead to a now, uh, you know, leading to a now enormous pressure to relax the controls on social and business life. He says that school closures uh, led 
to 304,000 jobs lost and uh, controls on industry and public gatherings and uh, the slumping domestic and international demand led to a further 516,000. And as you said, he wants to get a million people back to work. Uh, they are going to leave it, of course, to uh, each state to decide the timetable to remove each restriction. And as we know, in Victoria, Premier Daniel Andrews has always said that only when we get to a point where we have confidence, we've got the disease under control, do we have any options. Uh, so Monday the 11th, that's coming up. That looks like the day when the, maybe decisions will be made. It does look that way, Russell. Um, and of course, it... It raises, and that's the pointy end of the dilemma, isn't it? It's the economy and jobs uh, on the one hand and the um, health and well-being on the other. That's how the argument's often been polarised. Of course, they're intertwined. It's very difficult to disentangle them, and that's caused a lot of the um, the angst and debate, hasn't it? That's right. And I see that during the week, uh, Brett Sutton, who's our chief uh, medical officer, he's even warming to the idea of perhaps schools going back as long as soon as he looks at this testing this fortnight of more increased testing that's been going on mm. uh, but I, th- I think he sees that he would like schools to go back more than he would have say a week ago in yes, his thinking, you know. um, I can see that we're sort of preparing for that of course our big challenge our big challenge and it's not a new challenge Russell is how do we manage social distancing in our schools uh, um, without massively different uh, structural arrangements, operational arrangements, because it, it it's just not feasible. So we better hope that uh, the scientists who are saying children are at very low risk of transmitting it is true. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yes. But uh, And uh, I think that whether they'll follow... The, I know the teacher unions are pressing for a prep to grade two first return mm. and at the senior level BCE students mm. uh, and then it'll be a gradual I think one of the states is doing a one day a week start so it'll be a very mm. gradual transition I think won't it yes and not one without challenges but that's life yep. um, we need to take a short break can you hold the line Russ yes certainly <laughs> Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grussick. We're living in the middle of uh, What's Making News, our regular discussion with Russell Handby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. And from the Herald Sun, we've got an open and shut case. Uh, surgical instruments have been accidentally left inside patients in Victorian hospitals undetected for up to 18 months, new research reveals. Uh, that's a bit of a uh, worrying situation, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they're discovering them after 18 months and um, clearly they're not having a dramatically negative impact on people or people are just putting up with it. Uh, what's the background to that, Russell, That the impact of having these uh, instruments inside you? Well, uh, most uh, do need a second operation to remove them, which uh, can be a worry in itself. Mm. And, the fo- and the foreign bodies can cause pain, loss of function and infections between 2010 and 2015. In Victoria, 31 had surgical objects left in them. Two-thirds were sponges, drain tubes, or a vascular device. There was a curette, uh, a cochlear implant, stainless steel template, and guide wires left. And as we said in the intro there, some of them aren't discovered for a long time, um, up to 18 months for one catheter wire. 
Hmm. And 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 uh, the interesting thing is, according to um, Professor Hibbert, who trains people, he says the majority of incidents don't occur because of clinicians doing the wrong thing, but because of the complex system in which they operate. He trains doctors on how to avoid these sorts of complications. What's interesting about that is that um, there's clearly, I mean, there's clearly a case for revising their quality control measures on the instruments that they've got and how and when they um, count them, I guess, isn't it, Russell? Yeah, I think so, yes. Yeah. you'd start off with a certain number of implements, wouldn't you? Yes, you think shouldn't that... shouldn't uh, you end up with the same number at the end? You, you, you think so, that someone at least may have the responsibility perhaps of uh, counting them, but uh, that could be easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, well, obviously not... we're not in medical theatres, but no. um, it does seem that if it's an issue, and it has been, then it's an issue that you know, you'd like to think, and I'm sure they do, put a lot of thought into how they can rectify it. And in fact, modern technology, they've had new sponges they use emit radio frequencies that can be detected before patients are sewn up. So I guess they just put a wand over the body and uh, it beeps if there's something left in there. But uh, mm. I think these things have been going on occasionally, but I didn't know that it was quite as often No, it's, as it, it, is a, it is disturbing, isn't it? Yes. It's, and it's apparently the... it can cause... Uh, one woman I heard uh, thought she had uh, breast cancer recurring because she felt mm. a lump and uh, mm. turned out to be uh, something that they left behind. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that there was a better quality assurance about that. It, it It's almost a mirror opposite, isn't it, of the car mechanic. You go to pick your car up and they've dissembled parts of your car and you go there and there's about half a dozen nuts and bolts yeah. and pieces <laughs> sitting on the ground and they're telling you your car is fine. That's the old caricature, isn't it, of um, what happens, uh, the cartoon, for what could happen when you take your car in for repairs. That's right. Yeah, you find things that... Uh, it hasn't all been put back here. It's no, too much is put like, back. It's a bit like those flat packs for furniture you get and you put it together yourself on... You think you've got it all there and it's a bit over that you hadn't used, but uh, most of us just shrug our shoulders and say, oh, well, it works anyway, you know. <laughs> Until uh, the chassis falls off. Yeah. Uh, the Herald Sun, Russell, plasma uh, plan, a new hope, a potentially life-saving coronavirus treatment that uses the plasma of recovered COVID-19 patients will be manufactured in Victoria, while billionaire Bill Gates has pledged $10 million to another Melbourne-led trial. Tell yes, us about they're, that one. Well, they're looking into it. They're, what they're doing, they've, uh, they're, they're thinking or knowing that people who recover from uh, the coronavirus disease often have a heightened immunity in their blood and everywhere else. And so they think, well, if we can uh, harvest this uh, and put it in people before they get really sick, it could uh, help them. In fact, um, so that's what happens. They donate the plasma. They, they need quite a few people. They need 800 plasma donations to treat up to 100 patients in a trial, and mm. the experts hope that um, by using their uh, immunoglobulin, which they call it, COVID-19 immunoglobulin, um, experts hope that this will ease symptoms in severe cases before patients need ventilation. Mm. It's and, it, uh, yeah, okay, go on. I was going to say, I suppose it makes sense they've got a, that they say you get a, a bit of an immunity after the event, and, that, and this could be help other people that, uh, you know, can take your blood uh, plasma. Yeah, the the vaccine they're talking about. And oh, there's also uh, funding for um, a vaccine, Bacillus 
Calmete Guerin or BCG. Now, that was originally developed to fight TB, but phased out of Australian immunisation programs in the 80s because TB was virtually eradicated. Well, well, you would have had a TB injection when you were young. Yes, I remember that one, the the BCG. uh, Yeah, we had it too. And I think when we went overseas to um, Africa or somewhere, we had to have that injection again more recently. So if that helps anyone who has had that injection it might help them a little bit that's right and that's what bill gates is uh, spending his 10 million dollar yes. donation to expand a, a melbourne-led team on, on of that uh, to healthcare workers not only in australia but also spain and netherlands it's uh, one good thing i suppose or i can call it good is that all the medical researchers are working together not separately on on trying to find a cure these days you know Mm, mm, there's a Rather. lot of things going on. Also, GP visits in the body of that article have dropped quite significantly uh, in, in, in recent weeks, hasn't it? Yes. There, in fact, there's been a 30 to 50% drop in GP visits, uh, pathology testing, referrals for cancer patients, and a drop in ambulance calls even for chest pain. People are not wanting to go near waiting rooms or doctors' clinics at, at the moment, and so they're perhaps putting off rather serious uh, problems. Mm, and so, yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of um, things spilling out in the washout of this massive disruption. On a completely different topic, Russell... Yes, we've got uh, native forest logging, a fires factor. Mm. Logging, uh, this is from the age, uh, logging native forests increases the severity and risk of bushfires and likely had a significant effect on Australia's summer fires. This has come out of a, uh, a study and research published this week finds that there are a number of ways Australia's logging regimes have made the forests more fire prone. And they say that logging leaves debris which increases the fuel load, and that leads to dense areas of young, similar-age trees, which are very flammable. Mm. Uh, Also, removing large trees allows wind and sunlight to make drier areas, and the younger saplings are very, as I say, very flammable, and uh, they reckon that's what uh, logging can cause. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those interesting ones, isn't it? Logging obviously produces timber for many important uses that we have in society and yet um, there's a, a countryside. I guess the, the, the solution will come up and how do we log in a way that um, is, is a win-win. That's probably that's, the trick, isn't it? That's right. Well, one of the researchers, Professor David Lindenmeyer, said that uh, he advocates the removal of logging from areas where it added to the fuel load and increased severity mm. and risk. And he suggests wood production should come from plantations, not native forests. And then that raises another question, where are we going to get these massive plantations needed? Yes, yes, there's always a question for the last answer, Russell, which leads us to the last, and I think you love this one, this odd spot's a ripper. That's right, yes. Uh, most years, thousands of revellers turn up at the Central Park in Lund, a university town in southern Sweden, for a Volpurgis night party to celebrate the start of spring. Chair Mayor Philip Sonberg was determined they wouldn't and he came up with a novel solution to stop them, spreading a ton of chicken manure. We're doing that. Uh, we, we are doing that. We can uh, fertilise the lawn and keep people safe, he said. <laughs> so, That's called synergy. I wonder how people, some people took to that, Russell. 
That's right, yeah. So, so you get that the nice waft of chicken manure, and that might put you off <laughs> going to the. Uh, Clearly, the I think it probably did, because yeah, he appeared to be yeah. quite happy with himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you can, but, what's that old cliche? If you can kill two birds with a one or t- one stone. That's right. So uh, they not only get people going away, but uh, they fertilise the lawn with the phosphorus and nitrogen in it. Absolutely. (laughs) It's a win-win for all. Well, Russell, look, do take care of yourself over the weekend and in the lead-up to next week. And because you've been so good with the homework, we'll give you a weekend free of homework and you can you can do yeah. you don't sound enthused <laughs> oh no I'm too enthusiastic that's very good yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. and we'll see you refreshed for next week yeah look forward to it yes that uh, was Russell Hanby List has been with us a long long time what's making news we'll take a short break